heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies podcast. Well, hey there, Growth Junkies, and welcome to the Growth Junkies podcast. My name is Kent Del Husse. I'm one of the hosts, and there's two of us here. Mr. Ben Bost is here. Yes, that's me. Ben, sitting yes, across sir. from me. Yes. We are here to talk to you today about all things related to health and growth. Mm. After all, this is the Growth Junkies, and we have been doing a series on family of origin. The foo. The foo. Is that like boo, but for family? Sure. <laughs> foo. Foo. Foo stands for family of origin. Yeah. Family of origin. So we did two special episodes with our folks. Mm-hmm. I had my folks join us. Ben had his folks join him. And what you don't know, listeners, is that we were sitting in the room <laughs> witnessing these events with each other. Yeah, it was like getting invited to a family dinner and being a fly on the wall. So if anybody has ever wanted to be the proverbial fly on the wall, like we got a chance to do that. Yeah, so we we had to sit there quietly and not say anything because it was a conversation between each of us and our folks because we were talking about biological family, Uh the family we grew up in. So when we, we should clarify, Ben, in the very beginning of this conversation that by family of origin, we mean your biological family, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's the family you were born into. Now we recognize that families are different and different biological pieces, but the reality is you're born into some biological family. Yeah, your parents, your siblings, right. it kind of stops there. There is your extended family, and they have a certain impact on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they actually get included in the category of family. Of no, biological family really is about your folks. Yeah. It's your parents. So something interesting happens when you grow up. One of the great discoveries is that we learned that our parents weren't perfect. <laughs> I'm over here laughing because I'm like, there's a lot of interesting things that happened when I yes. grew up, you know. You know, but you know, maybe you can relate growth junkies, yeah. but as you get older, you sort of you you become an adult mm-hmm. and you begin to think about maybe your own family and kind of, you know, the parents you want to be. Right. And you either absorb things you learn from your own family and implement those things because mm-hmm. they worked. And there are some things maybe you don't absorb. And you don't use in your own family because they didn't. Sure. So here's the thing. And I think maybe parents' great fear is that our kids are going to grow up and they're going to think badly of us because we screwed up so badly mm-hmm. that we didn't do a good job as parents. And so we want to get out of the way. I mean, the fact is we both said this on those podcast episodes that we appreciate our home life. Yeah. One of the things that we appreciate is that our, our families are intact. Right. I mean, we're really grateful despite the tests and the challenges that we even talked about on the podcast, sure. that our folks are still together. My folks have been married for over 50 years. Your folks? Coming up on 50. Okay, so almost mm-hmm. 50 years too. And we, we know that's an anomaly in this world that you know a lot of people have broken homes and families. And yeah. so we are grateful for the fact that we have folks that are still together through right. thick and thin. I mean, yeah. they took their vows really seriously. So that means something. And, and you and I can both agree that we are grateful to our folks right. for staying together. So we know that that is true, and that has affected us. I mean, Ben and I, you know, we've been married a long time, both of us, not to each other, but 
you know, you have your wife, I have mine. But you know, I've been married for I've been married for almost twenty five years. Yeah. And I, I like to think that the legacy that my parents provided me is the fact yeah. that you can do it. And I'm coming up on eighteen. Yeah. Eighteen this next week. That's not too bad. So it is. It's a long time. You go through a lot of things in marriage over those period of years. Uh, stuff you never thought you'd encounter. Yeah. And I think what I would add to what you said is that as parents, you do the best you know how. Yeah. And certainly that was the story with my parents is, is they didn't come from the greatest upbringing either. Mm-hmm. And, and it, um, it was challenging. And so you do, you do what you can and you don't have all the skills. And, and right. then you also don't know what you're going to encounter. Yes. I think that's one of the most surprising things about marriage is you could do premarital, like we do some of that for people, my wife and I, and you can uh, read all the books mm-hmm. and, and think that you have all the I's dotted and T's crossed, and then you get married and stuff comes into your life and you encounter things you just never thought Absolutely. you would confront. Yeah, you know? and so same thing with parenting. The, the reality is there's no right. perfect parents out there. And I've already told you know the audience, I've, I've said this publicly, that I'm sure my kids will come back to me down the road and say, Dad, you kind of blew it on this part. You know, you didn't do this very well. So I'm well aware of the fact that that we're not the perfect parents and our kids won't be perfect parents. But we do hope that every generation they get better. Right. Yeah. So in some ways, I heard it from your folks and my folks said it as well, is we don't even know what we're going to be evaluated on. So in some way, like my mom was talking about this. Yeah, that was a, a very interesting comment when she said that. Well, that, that's actually, there's a lot more to the story. I mean, they, they told the story about me being on the radio and talking about growing up in a home that was low on mercy and how embarrassed <laughs> they were by that, you know, because it was in public and all uh-huh. that. And for me, it wasn't, I, I just, I didn't think anything of it because the reality was I grew up in a home that was really um, strong, independent, you know, reliable. Mm -hmm. We had certain like fundamental core values about how we functioned and mercy just wasn't high on the scale. We just didn't practice that. So I wasn't exposed to it. And my mom, in all fairness, said, I didn't know I'd be evaluated on that criteria. And here's the fact is you can't be all things to all people all the time. Right. So as much as we try to achieve balance, I teach my kids strength and then give them mercy to be, um, you know, disciplinarian, but also patient. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult balance to hit. And so I have great compassion for the fact that, you know, my folks didn't get it all right. And they admitted that. And your folks too admitted that, but they did their best with the way that they were raised and the tools they had at their disposal. They, their main goal, I think they said this was like to, to produce mature kids that can go out in the world and contribute. And I think what was helpful to see on on both sides of it, you know, my parents and your parents is the level to which they can be reflective about the home life and parenting and the relationships because I know that there are probably some growth junkies out there listening who uh, could never probably sit down and have a conversation like that with their parents. Right. Let alone do it on air. Right. Or a podcast, you know. Yeah. And which is a, I think a unique thing and and there are just some relationships and some families out there that are either um, just disconnected or they don't have that kind of relationship. They can never talk about those things. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because we yeah. learn a lot as we go. And yeah. you start to learn that, yeah, like we've said, parents aren't perfect. They don't get everything right. And then you start to realize how hard life is and how hard it can be. Yeah. And it's going to punch all of us in the mouth at some point when we're in the process of raising a family and, and being married and doing all those things. And it just gets challenging. Yeah. And, and those speed bumps and uh, 
side roads are hard to navigate sometimes. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping that, you know, for the listeners, the growth junkies out there, that ones that maybe can't identify with these familiar relationships that we're talking about. Right. Yeah, growing up in a home with folks, you know, and having a mom and a dad and all that and siblings, maybe they can't relate to that. Sometimes, though, it's nice to look in. It's like mm-hmm. the, the reason people used to love to watch the Brady Bunch. <laughs> It's not because their home life was like that. Marsha. Right. But they watched it, Ben, because it it felt good to them to see a family. Yeah. Like, I didn't have that, but it's nice to see kind of what it could be like. So, at the very least, by our folks having the courage to come on and talk publicly, not only about what they did right, but what they didn't do right, takes courage. Yeah. But the fact that they did that shows people that these things can be talked about. And And we thought it'd be fun to kind of make some observations knowing that we were sitting in the room uh-huh. of, of each other because it's really valuable for our friendship, right? We right. understand each other differently now in a sense as we've been growing in our relationship and, and understanding each other. Something like that helps you understand a person differently. Yeah, I mean, I, other than looking at your face and seeing your mom <laughs> and some of your dad, like, okay, I, physically I can see where you came from. Emotionally, spiritually, yeah, all the mentally, impact. all the rest of you mm-hmm. kind of get a better idea of why you're you. See, the reality is we are shaped by our, our upbringing and yeah. by our folks. And many times we are who we are either um, in contrast to our folks yeah. or in similarity. And I think that there's things that you maybe saw in me that were similar. Like, for example, I talked to somebody this week that, that heard the podcast and they said, I couldn't tell when you and your dad were talking because you sound the same. Like, wait, is that Kent talking or is that Daryl? I don't uh, know which one it is because we like sound a lot alike. So you do sound similar, but you're definitely distinct. Okay, good. I'm glad you can pick up on <laughs> I that. I think that's the case. So yeah. I think I'm different, but the yeah. reality is I've come to embrace the fact that there are certain physical similarities I have with my father. Yeah. I would say there are emotional similarities I have with my mother. And even personality, probably a little bit more like my mom, you know, but even just the way that I am as a person, my strengths, my weaknesses, I think are, are greatly shaped by things I observed and experienced with my folks. Yeah, for so sure. So you look at me and them and you say, I can kind of see why Kent's like his folks in this <laughs> way and why he's maybe not like his folks in this way. Yeah. Same with you, Ben. Yeah. I, you know, meeting your mom, you know, your folks, your mom is a talker. That's one thing we discovered. <laughs> yeah. And so she had to kind of like, Tone it down to let your dad talk a little bit. And I understand that he talked a lot more than he usually does. I, I was surprised at, at how much my dad did share. Like, he started first. Because yeah, I made, right I made a comment on the podcast, like, I knew who's going to go first. And I was assuming it would be my mom. But that wasn't the case. You know, my dad had a lot to say. It was it was really interesting and yeah. um, to see that and to hear the things that they commented on. Well, is there any, and here's a question I want to ask. I think we should ask and answer. Was there anything you heard your parents say? in your conversation that struck you? Like, oh, I've never thought of it or heard you say that before. I think it was a lot of the reflection on what it would have been like had we not moved from Pennsylvania to Southern California. Mm. And then my dad's comment of if they would have stayed back there, they would have been divorced. I thought wow. that was that was really interesting. That hit you, yeah. Because of the overreach of family. And uh, at least in their estimation, as they kind of articulated that in the conversation, that there was just the impact of, of their families of origin on relationship mm. was quite challenging, you know, and, and I, and I saw that and, and they discussed that a little bit on the podcast. And, yeah. and so that, that took me a little bit by surprise. I didn't know that we would get so much into the roots of where we were from and, and how that impacted our family. Yeah. Um, 
that was that was a bit surprising to me. Was it interesting to hear when you asked the question of your parents, and I asked my folks this too, what do you think you could have done differently? Like that's kind of a scary question, and you don't know what you're going to get. I think there are some people who'd be like, we did nothing wrong. We were the perfect parents, and how dare you suggest otherwise? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But they didn't do that. Neither one of our parents did that. They no. kind of said, you know what, there's some things. And when your parents answered that question, did that, how did that strike you when they talked about what they would do differently? Well, do you remember specifically what they said? Because it kind of all runs together for me of, of the, well, the directions that the conversation I went. remember your dad said that he would have been present more. Yes, that's right. He was he, working a lot. Yeah. I mean, both my parents were gone significant amount. My dad worked a lot under the stress of the role that he was playing and, and what he was in. Um, my mom was an emergency room nurse that worked nights. So my mom was gone a lot of nights. Right. And then my dad would be gone most of the day. But when my mom was home, she was sleeping mm. until we got home from, from school. So, sure. so there was that dynamic. And, and I think the presence piece of it in in life probably was uh right on from their perspective of being mm-hmm. being there being more available mm-hmm. uh being more present yep. not working as much yep. and yet that's a tough tension to walk because mm. you got to make a living and support the family and sure and southern california really stretched us financially when we moved mm-hmm. so those dynamics in in real time at the moment are hard to navigate and you do what's best. Mm-hmm. And certainly looking back, uh, I think it's insightful, but I also understand why they were gone so much. You know, and that, I don't know about you, it sounds like it gave you a little bit of compassion. Like, gosh, he was the, you know, the screws were turning on your dad because he felt the pressure yeah. financially to work and make the money to pay the bills, mm-hmm. but also to be with his family. And it's a tough position to be in when you feel like you're making a choice. So I, I don't know about you, but I got more compassion hearing my folks answer the question. Like the one about mercy, hearing my mm-hmm. mom talk about that was really meaningful to me because it was good to hear her say that she didn't know that she would be evaluated on that. And yeah. she would have spent more time and effort on mercy if she knew that that was an important priority. And so I thought that was interesting. And I almost felt compassion because I also know how she was raised. Yeah. And, and her folks, they're gone now. So I can speak poorly of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know because that's what we do. We, no, <laughs> no, but her, her her folks they were they were hard. I mean, they were, they were farming folks in Iowa, mm. and her mom had some emotional issues. Um, her dad was gone a lot. He would leave on Monday morning, come back on Friday night, and would be so busy. And he was a pretty serious, big farming guy. Mm not the most affectionate and warm person you'll ever meet. And so she grew up with that. And yeah. so she didn't grow up with a lot of mercy in her home. Her, her, and she even left Iowa and moved to California, 18 years old across country, just to kind of get a fresh start. Mm-hmm. So it helps to have compassion on our folks to know that they're the products of their biological right. family. Their family of origin shaped them. So I hope that my kids will look at me someday and say, you know, dad, you're a product of your family of origin too. And no wonder you had mm-hmm. some struggles maybe like for me with performance and having to purvey this excellence, you know, all the time and yeah. felt immense pressure to have to be strong all the time and be yeah. right all the time. And that explains it because I kind of grew up in that world that really, uh, you know, being articulate, being smart, being influential, having a platform was really valuable and revered and respected. Mm-hmm. And so coming out of that, I, I, I kind of, it's hard to shake that. I think it's interesting too, that, um, in a friendship like we have, you don't often meet 
your friend's parents. It's mm. not something that's like super common, I don't think. Right. And and let alone the dynamic that we sort of have where I, I know this was the first time that you met my parents, but right. you spent time sitting in on a personal conversation. Yeah. And then I've been to lunch a couple, a couple different times with you and your folks and whatever. And mm-hmm. so being able to see that and know that about one another, make observations like about our, about each other. It's like, Whoa, you get a chance to see some things and a vantage point. So I think I'd like to hear from you. What, <laughs> what is it that you know about me now or, or think, uh, or gives insight to you yeah. about me after hearing that conversation or watching it and meeting yeah. my parents. Well, I, I think I understand your personality, you know, <laughs> in the sense that you're, you're a really even keeled guy. And I think that you are, you're cerebral, but also emotional. Mm. You kind of have both of those qualities. You're also a high integrity guy. And so when I kind of look at you, I kind of see how your folks and the way they're so opposite which would challenge you to find like the happy median, so to speak. Like, I don't want to be too much that way or too much this way. You're not too quiet. You're not too loud. Mm. Like you seem to have a real balance that I see. And and even like your humor, you know, listening to your folks talk a little (laughs) bit. I I chuckled several times. (laughs) I know. I was wondering if anybody could hear you because you were chuckling. Oh, I was was chuckling. I was trying not to be loud about (laughs) it, but I was kind of chuckling because it was, it was so fun to watch the dynamic of, your mom talked to your dad and your dad to your mom and you to them. And I watched your facial expressions and I could feel like I was at the dinner table with you yeah. having a conversation and getting a sense of your um, idiosyncrasies, mm. so to speak. And like how your mom and your dad interact, kind of observe that a little bit and the way they tease each other and the yeah. way that you respond. And I just get a real appreciation and sense for why you are the way you are, mm-hmm. you know, and you... You, um, you, from my vantage point, like I'm fascinated by your folks. Like I, I never, I've only spent a couple hours with them now, but I'm fascinated by them. Uh, I think your mom's hilarious, you know, and just the the thing she says, she's funny. And your dad just got this real sort of like, well, he's an accountant, right? Yeah. So he's got this sort of bookworm sort of style, you know, <laughs> and he's smart and cerebral and quiet. So to watch the two of them, I can imagine that they must have interesting discussions the way that they're wired so differently, you yeah. know, and how that probably shaped you as a person. Yeah, it definitely did. Because their personalities are so opposite. And so in a way, it's an experiment. How does it, how do people like that who are so different make it 50 years? You know, there's got to be some challenges. Yeah. And the fact that you grew up in that, and you've been pretty outspoken about how, you know, there's there some real hard times. Like your yeah. folks fought a lot and they had issues with each other. And sure. You've talked about it and they talk about it. Open. They were extremely open, by the way. Yeah. They were really frank, just like, well, I have nothing to hide. It was this, it was that. <laughs> so the fact is they seemed really vulnerable and open and transparent, which, again, explains you because you're very open and transparent and you seem to put everything out on the table. And they kind of did that. That was my perspective. But I found them fun. I found them <laughs> delightful. It's different when you live with people for you know your whole life. Right. But in yeah. the moment, I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, it was great to interview them and uh, be able to sit down and have that kind of conversation and mm-hmm. and to be able to do that. And um, I haven't listened back to it yet, like or gone back to listen to it. I should say. I don't right. know if you've done that with the. No, the, I with haven't the yet. 
my mom thanked me for saying nice things publicly, though. <laughs> you know, again, it kind of like overwrites the old one that, that the radio story oh, about the sure. mercy. Yeah, I think I've redeemed myself oh. maybe <laughs> by saying some nice things publicly. But also, I asked him and I said, you know, there are some things that you know didn't go right, and you talked about it. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that they are receptive to that. I appreciate the fact that they don't pretend they're perfect. Yeah. Um, that there's even some, you know, confession and forgiveness that happens with parents and kids. And here's the thing. I hope that I do that. Mm-hmm. I hope with my kids, I'm quick to say, you know what? I know I didn't do anything right. I know I wasn't the perfect parent. I did do my best. Yeah. And I tried to raise you and train you and love you and protect you and provide for you and all that stuff. Yeah. But I know that I've missed some stuff and I probably wasn't there as much as I should have been and et cetera, et cetera. We're all going to have that story. Of course. But I think that but the way that you really find healing in those stories is by talking about mm-hmm. it and being open about it and saying, this didn't happen, so how can we improve? How can we increase our intimacy in our relationship now, yeah. despite the fact that we've suffered in the past. So I know a lot of people listening out there probably have broken relationships with their folks. Mm-hmm. Some don't even talk and some are, you know, maybe cut off and whatnot. If anything, I feel like maybe our stories can give hope that there is redemption and restoration in relationship because we've had, I've yeah. had challenging times with my folks. Yeah. Everyone has it's been them. tested, but we came around and we worked it out. And number one, I'm committed to them because, you know, they're my parents. I want to honor them. Mm-hmm. They're committed to me because I'm their son. So we're committed to working on that. But there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and I think the the biggest observation I would make as the conversation matured that you were having with your parents, what, what really struck me was the dynamic the whole family was having to deal with. Uh, given the nature of the public face of your family with your dad as a pastor and being raised in that home and how there was so many different dynamics you guys had to navigate and challenges you faced from the outside, expectations of people, things people said Mm -hmm. to either your parents or about probably you and John, like just different things that went on. And uh, it explains a lot you know, about you to me in a sense. Why I'm so paranoid. <laughs> no, like, like you're an emotional guy yeah. and, and you were wired that way right. as a kid. It seems like even your dad, I think commented about mm-hmm. that of, of you being an emotional. Uh, was it crying over hitting a bird? Yeah. I guess with the car or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. And, um, and the fact that the way the home was having to operate almost like forced to operate didn't really allow for, emotional structure. Right. And so you, you kind of couldn't bring that in a sense. And, uh, and it wasn't necessarily the fault of your parents as much right. as they're going, we've never been down this road before. We don't know how to deal with this. Everyone just do your best kind yeah. of thing. And, and that's hard. And, and mm-hmm. so I, it gives me a lot of insight and understanding to uh, the challenges that you've faced, you know, mm-hmm. in your story. Yeah. I'm going, I just need to find a place for my emotions, for my for my heart to be expressed, you know, for, for it to be dealt with. Yeah. And I actually have had therapy for that. <laughs> I really have to where, know. you know, I was, I, I really had to perform, you know, and so uh, I had to be strong and reliable mm-hmm. and resourceful all the time. And I had to fit the bill and I always felt like I had to be, had to be something. And so for me to be free, to be emotional, be myself, I, I wasn't. And I'm just coming now to, to embrace that. Yeah, and when you don't learn it throughout those years, I mean, right. it's much more difficult to learn it when you get older. Yeah. 
And, and I've watched you do a lot of that and have a tremendous amount of respect for it because, mm. and even more so now after having that, that viewpoint into the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, of not knowing it was, it wasn't the fault of your parents necessarily. It was just right. the, what was placed on your family was, was a heavy burden to carry. And in a sense it, it deleted or did not allow for some things. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily on purpose. Yeah. You know? I mean, part of it was just the fishbowl I lived in yeah. and, and I, I, I believe strongly that, you know, um, growing up in a fishbowl like that, it can be very damaging socially yeah. and relationally. And it was. And I would say that I still feel the effects of growing up in a fishbowl. And again, it wasn't just my folks. They were under the same pressure. They lived in the same fishbowl. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it was we were always very conscious of being judged all the time. Yeah. And so they were really careful about like, well, how do our kids come across? Are they behaving? And how do they look? Are they fitting the bill? So we got a lot of extra pressure because we needed to not make them look bad either. Well, that's why PKs a lot of times get the reputation they get. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't sound, I mean, neither you nor your brother really went that route. But a lot of, a lot of kids that are raised in pastor homes like that do. Yeah. Well, it was especially hard on my brother. He, he survived, but he really um, had a hard time in high school to the point where my, my dad at one point thought about resigning from oh, ministry wow. just because he was, thought he was losing John. You know, and he, thankfully, John hung on and ended up okay, mm. but it was a really, really hard experience on him. He's a very deep feeler, and to have that kind of microscope on him Oof. was really painful. Tough. And we had a bunch of crazy things said to us. So this day, I'm still shaped by that experience. So I have compassion mm. because my folks live under that same pressure. So it also explains me and, and the world I grew up in and why I, I pursue something different now. Yeah. I don't want to live under the microscope. I don't want my kids to live under the microscope. <laughs> I don't want that for them. So I want a sense of normalcy, you know, in my life. And so that's something that my folks and I have talked a lot about. And it's a little yeah. bit foreign because, you know, really in my family, it's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you achieving? What are you accomplishing? And for me, I'm in a place in my life where that's not the most important thing. Yeah. So it's not about what I'm achieving. It's about who I'm becoming as a person, which is why I'm a growth junkie. Well, and it's interesting that you say it that way because I feel very much like that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've made the statement on multiple occasions, you know, just with all the different things I've done in my background is, is like at this point in my life, I'm not trying to do anything great. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really am not as far as ambition is concerned. Mm-hmm. It's just not this drive to climb some mountain. Mm-hmm. It is about who I'm becoming and, and trying to, shape and grow and mature to live a, a valuable, meaningful, substantial life. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and a lot of times we think we find that in the mountain of success or our achievements or performance and all those things that both you and I have had to face from different angles. Right. And then you get to where we are, at, you know, I'll be 45 in a few days and you're already 45. And we're looking at that next phase of life going, what's going to be most significant? Most yeah. valuable. Well, they've right? said that the whole transition from success to significance is real. And I think we've felt that. And and so part of that is just growing older. You know, I think middle aginess. <laughs> middle you know, aginess. you get the middle age experience, but part of it is like, I really wanna I wanna be significant and not 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 in the sense of being famous or have a platform, but to make a difference. And specifically in my own family. Like really the legacy yeah. is having a good marriage and having, you know, loving children. Like that's it. And having a, a few good friends that you can count on like that was not my biggest ambition 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've evolved as a person in a lot of ways that maybe you see now in contrast to my upbringing 
that I, I have kind of flaunted some of the paths that I used to take. Mm. But a lot of that's because it is more now, truly more now about who you are than what you're doing. Yeah. And growth junkies are really concerned about their character. In other words, being the kind of person they want to be rather mm-hmm. than getting what they want out of this world. Yeah. So that's something that I, I, I aspire to, you aspire to. Yeah. In fact, our own experiences brought us together to start right. this organization and start this podcast yeah. that we share a similar passion that, about character right. and about growth and about health. And that ultimately, life is about much more than just money or possessions or influence or fame or glory or power. It's none of those things because everyone who hikes the mountain and gets to the top, Ben, what they always told us is there's nothing there. Yeah, there's two people on that mountain. There's the one that gets to the top and realizes it's a wasteland. Yep. And then there's the one that doesn't make it to the top and goes, what do I do now? Yeah. And here's the thing. They get there alone. Yeah. Oftentimes, of anybody that gets to the top of the mountain has yeah. no one to go with them. So a lot of people compromise the important things for the urgent things. And so we embrace a different way of life. Mm-hmm. Growth junkies embrace a different way of life. It's really about not scaling the top of the mountain. It's it's climbing with other people. And it's more for the adventure of the climb than and it I, is the destination. And I think, to your point, when you start to look at being a parent and raising children mm-hmm. and how to develop them in such a way that helps them become those kinds of people earlier right. in their life, right, right? I think the session that we developed on family of origin for the curriculum, those three things that we talk about in there are really helpful. Like yeah. We, we mentioned just, them. If, yeah. If we just had to go base level, yeah. what are the, what are the things we're trying to do as parents that if we know in advance and we can uh, impart it onto our kids, what would be those things? And it's those three things that we have in there. Yeah. There's three of them. And, and we, we mentioned these in our, um, in our episodes with our folks. Yeah. But we'll revisit them one more time. When it comes to family of origin, this comes out of our Four Dimensions workbook, section 1.2. And it, it, under the definition of what is family, your family of origin or your foo is designed to give you three things. And if you don't get these three things from your family of origin, you will get them somewhere else. These are the three. Pro- provide for your physical and emotional well-being. So that's important because a lot of us get the physical part, not mm-hmm. a lot of us get the emotional part. Yeah, and that's a really, you're highlighting that, and it's that area of attachment and bonding. Yeah. Really learning how to be in relationship with one another and right. give space for emotion to process life and, mm-hmm. and to come alongside. I mean, yeah. a lot of, you've said this on previous podcasts about uh, when someone's angry or, or sad or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was angry, you know, go to your room and come back when you're going right. to behave better right. or whatever it was. And, and I think that, we need to move into the lives of our kids from a different space. Absolutely. To come alongside them emotionally. We need to hold their emotions too and teach them how to be, how to be emotional. So the reality is emotions are not bad. They're good. And so even yeah. around the dinner table each night, we actually ask the question, you know, about your emotions. How are you feeling? Because a lot of us grew up in homes. We never asked that question. Mm-hmm. It just never came up. Or only maybe one person was allowed to feel. Oftentimes it's the mom, you know, is the only one who's allowed to feel something. <laughs> Nobody else can. Second thing is to protect you from harm. Now, that harm is more than just an intruder coming to take your life. Mm-hmm. There's an emotional, mental, spiritual protection from harm. That we have responsibilities as parents to, to protect our kids and our wife, our, our spouse, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And when we don't get that, it harms us. Yeah, and the hope is that the home is going to be a place of, of refuge, right? right? The world is hard enough the way it is. Right. 
and, and I say this to my kids every once in a while, especially in their treatment of one another, but even us with them is, is like, the world's going to give you enough. You don't need to have more here. Right. And so we try to cultivate an environment that, that allows for them to have a place of, of refuge and relaxation and no. escape, in a sense, from the world. Home should be a safe place. Yeah, because the world yeah. ki- is going to kick your butt. Yeah. It just does. You know, the reality is if you don't, if you, you know, they say that there's house and there's home. Mm-hmm. The house is just where you happen yeah. to be. Home is your family. Yeah. So home is wherever you and your family are. But family needs to be a safe place. Unfortunately, it's not a safe place Sometimes. for a lot of people. Right. And then third, um, a family is supposed to train you for life. This is a really important one. Like they're supposed Ooh. to actually turn you into adults. Yeah. Train you up for with the skills, the capacities, the abilities to be able to live so as an adult. That's huge. And I think this is where we fall down as parents oftentimes is we miss certain skills or capacities to teach our kids. Mm. I know that I have to work hard sometimes to remind myself, like I need to pull my sons along to show them how to do things around the house. And, <laughs> and we got to teach them. We got to grow them and I got to interact with them. You can't just like send them to school and think they're going to learn everything they need to know about life. They're not. We as parents have to be actively involved in our kids, talking to them, interacting with them, showing mm-hmm. them around. And it really is our responsibility to send them out into the world as, as productive citizens, yeah, people who this, contribute. And this is a very simple statement, train train you for life. Yeah. And yet the layers beneath this, like we, we could literally, and maybe we should do an episode on just this singular statement because the what comes to the surface for me is one of the biggest things right now is helping my kids understand how to think about life. There are so many uh, aspects to consider and things to evaluate when it comes to processing and thinking about life in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Um, So many lies out there, Mm -hmm. things that are being floated in front of us as real that actually aren't real and don't work. Mm -hmm. And how do I help my kids be prepared for that? Right. That they're not buying into to things that are, are going to hinder or harm them, even from a philosophical standpoint, mm-hmm. the way they think. That's right. And and I think that that is really, really important. Uh, there's just tons of layers under that one statement that there we could is. give a long, a long episode to that, I think. Oh, we could spend a lot of time on this. <laughs> yeah. So what we'll do is just kind of wrap it up with a couple of ideas here, some thoughts. I think first and foremost, we need to acknowledge and realize that we are shaped by our family of origin. A lot of who we are is shaped for good or bad by how we grew up. And there's no shame in recognizing that and acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. Secondly, though, work can be done. If you have a bad or a, a poor family of origin experience, number one, there can be restoration. There can be reconciliation. But number two, whatever you don't get met in your biological family, you can get that met in another kind of family. Right. So while there's a foo or family of origin, there's also this concept called a family of choice. Mm-hmm. Your family of choice are the people you choose to surround yourself with who become your family. Yeah. And you have a choice in that. And so don't forget if you have, you don't have a foo or you have a terrible relationship with your family of origin, mm-hmm. then you have a family of choice and those needs need to be met there. Yeah. So this is why even for uh, Christians, they call it the family of God mm-hmm. is their family of choice. Right. That's why relationally we need each other because oftentimes we're getting what we didn't get in our families growing up. We can be those substitute family members for others mm-hmm. and they can be to us. So, so my encouragement to you would be to find your family of choice. Mm-hmm. At the very least, you can have that and you can build that regardless of your family of origin. And the only thing I would add uh, from the transformation process side of it is, is that change often begins with awareness. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a big step of awareness related to our family of origin. Sometimes we're not aware of how we show up in life related to what was shaped in us in our upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, for those who are growth junkies and want to change and grow, it's really important to reflect and think about your family of origin, how you were raised, your personality, uh, some of the uniqueness about you or mm-hmm. uh, things that maybe hinder relationships that are that are present in the way you show up in life mm-hmm. and to look at and gain an awareness for where those things came from. That is literally the first step for yeah. the transformation process is to be become aware of how yeah. you show up. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I, I think back in my own experience, how much I learned with this concept starting with the family of origin, then moving to family of choice or family of God is a critical study. So anyway, for what it's worth, growth junkies, something to think about. You yeah, know, you heard closing, from our folks. We're closing the book on family of origin. <laughs> yeah, we've done a three-part series here. This was sort of the conclusion for Ben and I to sort of rehash and talk about it and kind of sort through our own experiences with you. Um, and to give you something to think about that you can work on yourself, some encouragement, some challenge. But if you want more information, you can actually get our Four Dimensions of Human Health Workbook on Amazon. Uh, it's also available PDF format on our website, which is loveandtransformation.org. And you can follow along with us as we talk about all these subjects related to health and growth. Uh, also, we're on social media. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Growth Junkies and Love and Transformation Institute. Get in touch with us. Give us your feedback. Um, We have a new book coming out soon called Mega Life. Keep your eyes open for that on how to live life without fear. So we're very excited about this one. It'll be coming out very soon, probably this summer. And we'll be talking about fear and what the solution to fear is in this book and probably doing a series of podcasts on it. So we'll look forward to doing that with you. In the meantime, keep growing and we'll see you next time. 